recorded live from the frayed edge where creativity meets profitability, this is Transformation Thursday. I am Amy Stevens and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her. This week, we're speaking with Erica Fee, the founding producer and board president of the Key Bank Rochester Fringe Festival. We're going to talk about fringe festivals in general and specifically how she and her staff went from one of the largest festivals in the country to a virtual festival virtually overnight and the financial and cultural fallout that the COVID pandemic is costing the arts community nationwide and even worldwide. But before we talk about fringe fun and frustrations, we're going to ask you for some support ourselves right after the traditional music swell and fade up. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses, and by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her, and with me, of course, as always, is Amy Stevens. Her pronouns are she, her as well. Now, Erica Fee may not have given birth to the Key Bank Rochester Fringe Festival, but she was certainly in the room when it happened. As the founding producer and board president, she has created one of the largest, most diverse, and most successful Fringe Festivals in the United States, if not the world. And then this year, she and her staff had to slam on the brakes of that well-oiled production and move the whole Megillah online for a virtual French festival. Erica, welcome to Transformation Thursday. Thank you for having me. Well, we enjoy being had. So (laughs) let's get this started. First off, before we get into the French festival, let's talk about you. Um, What do you think about us? No. How did you get get into the French festival producer? I know you spent some time in England and and you're from Rochester? Yeah, I'm originally from Rochester, and I um, I graduated from U of R, and following my graduation, I went to the UK, uh, to London, where I studied acting. I uh, became a, a 
I was, uh, I became a professional actor, but I was straining, uh, straining. Well, I guess, my goodness, talk about a Freudian slip. Um, I was training to become a classically trained actor um, at that point. And I attended a school called the Arts Educational Schools London, which is the oldest drama school in the UK. And um, through acting, I got into producing. So I was in a show <laughs> at the Edinburgh Fringe called I Am Star Trek. <laughs> And if you want to Google that, there are like lots of really fun uh, photos of me. But yeah, it was I, a, I, I, the three, the, the you and two of your guests doing sort of like a, a Star Trek Charlie's Angels kind of pose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's kind yeah. of fun. So, well, there were actually, it was a, it was a hit show that had come over actually from the New York fringe. And this was the UK premiere and there were nine actors. And between us, we played over 70 roles and it was a comedic send up of Star Trek. We were basically focused on the life and times of Gene Roddenberry and what happened behind the scenes of Star Trek, which were so fascinating. And then we would do these kind of send up um, scenes of, you know, the, the movie, some of the movies, some of the some of the uh, famous episodes. And um, through that, I really fell in love with the idea of fringe festivals, because I was, of course, performing at what is called the mother of all fringes, the Edinburgh Fringe. And through that, I got into producing. And then in 2009, I happened to be back in Rochester just on a vacation. And uh, I was speaking to the head of the theater department at the University of Rochester, Nigel Master, and I had seen that fringe festivals were springing up in cities worldwide. And so I was just chatting with him and I said to him, um, why do you think it is that Rochester doesn't have a fringe festival? And he said, it's funny you should ask that. You should go and meet with Joel Seligman. And I said, and, and Joel, of course, was the president of the university at that point. And I said, like, I can get an appointment with Joel Seligman on my week back in Rochester. You know, that was like a fine dining reservation, like maybe in four months, maybe I would get in. Um, but probably not. But anyway, uh, I did. And the thing was, is that he had actually been uh, leading uh, meetings for a year at that point as to how to bring some sort of performing arts festival to Rochester. It was Joel and Dan Braveman, the president of Nazareth, with some community leaders uh, from the city, from the county, uh, and from the arts. And basically, I attended this meeting where nobody knew who I was. And the good thing is, I didn't know who they were either. So I didn't have a chance to get nervous. Like I just, it, now looking back, <laughs> I think, what did I do what I did? But um, I basically threw my hat into the ring. And I said, if you want a fringe festival, I want to come back and run it. And I actually did that as Joel was entering the elevator to leave. And I kind of shouted it into the elevator. And then the doors closed. And I thought, what? <laughs> Ultimate elevator pitch right like, there. Literally. Yeah. What have you just done? It was, it was. And then I, of course I got back into my rental car and I thought, what have you done? Like, why did you just volunteer this? This is like a massive amount of work that you just said would be, you know, a lot of fun to do. Um, anyway, one thing led to another. They did ask me to put together a proposal, which I did. And, and anyway, in December 2009, I came back. And um, so in 2010, 
And the first part of 2011, it was really an initiative of the University of Rochester. But then in 2011, we became our own nonprofit corporation. So we're not, um, we're not part of the university at all. Uh, we are, you know, a nonprofit 501c3. And we were able to, because we weren't part of the university, you know, totally separate, um, bring in then at that point, RIT and uh, St. John Fisher, Nazareth, Rockport, Geneseo, et cetera, um, and other sponsors. At first, um, our key, um, key bank was actually First Niagara, um, and then KeyBank later acquired First Niagara, and they've been our title sponsor since. Well, and it started out with pretty humble beginnings, and as Penny was alluding to, you know, this, the the fringe here is one of the biggest ones in the country. So, how do you go from those simple beginnings to like this huge presence? I mean, for Rochester being, you know, right around a million people, this is a this is a big deal. Yeah. Well, it's funny because um, the thing was is that by the time the festival launched in 2012, Amy, um, I had of course been working on it at that point for three years, like three years solid. And other people had been working on it for a year before me. So a team had been working on it for four years. And the reaction that we got though was, oh my gosh, isn't that nice that you just threw this together like in a few weeks and it went so well. And we're like, look, at this point, it needed to do well. I've been working on this for four years. I, you know, I changed countries. I like shut down my, I, I had a UK production company. I shut that down, you know, <laughs> it better succeed. So that was, you know, and then every year we still get the reaction from people, which we find hilarious where they say, look, so they'll say, so what city are you doing next? And we're like, we oh are done. Like, we are spent. We can't go anywhere. We're all, first of all, we're all from Rochester. We're not carnies. We're not like traveling. <laughs> from city to city, which, and people say that like, so, you know, do you put up the Spiegel tent yourself? Like, no, 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 <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not actually putting up tents, I'm actually managing a festival yeah. that takes an entire year to put on a year. That's a hard thing to do. I, my, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not, that, that understatement. I know real, 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 real brilliant thing. That's a hard thing to do. My, my theory about this is that Rot, the, why it's so successful is because first off, Rochester is an arts town. There is an yeah. awful lot of theater here. There's an awful lot of arts and, and performance and music. And ours, and Rochester is also a festival town. So just that idea, I think people are predisposed to go out on a on a weeknight or weekend night and see stuff because it's festival city here. So that's you, true. You hit a sweet there spot are, there. There's so many good things about Rochester, you know, that that I think that it's also one of those things that it's once you leave, then you realize like, wow, we really do have some very unique attributes. Um, and you know, one thing that I uh, realized was how receptive Rochester audiences are. I was working on a show called The Bicycle Men um, that I worked on it at the Edinburgh Fringe, but when I worked on it in London and I was general manager for it, um, Dan Castellaneta came in to play one of the four roles. And Dan Castellaneta is the voice of Homer Simpson. And, and um, he was in Second City with a lot of the other creators of the show, The Bicycle Men. That's how they all knew each other because they'd been in Second City together 25 years prior. And he said that Rochester was his favorite city to perform in when he was in Second City because the audiences were so receptive. And that kind of got my, my hamster wheel spinning a bit. Um, but the other great thing that Rochester has 
is we have so many institutions of higher education within such a short um, drive of the city. And we have so many students who are just really dying to do something and to get involved. And of course, their institutions are, are wanting them to get involved with the community. So all of those factors together, plus Rochester's very rich arts and cultural background, and the fact that we do support a number of arts and culturals for a city our size, and the depth and breadth of performing arts groups we have here is astounding. You know, everything, um, everything that you can think of, really, uh, we have here in Rochester and so many groups when we were starting the Fringe in 2012, what we noticed were uh, was that we had so many groups in town that were using Rochester as their base or individuals were using Rochester as their base, touring nationally, um, rehearsing here. And we thought, well, wouldn't it be great to be able to allow them to have a, an annual showcase of their work? So the fringe was born. Yeah. So there are, there are different types of fringes uh, that are, that are out there. You know, like there's one that I, that, that's called the Philadelphia style. Uh, there's the Canadian style. Um, some of them are, are, are curated uh what kind of what style is because the rochester french because from my very limited experience i've been to like I've, I've performed at i don't know six uh different fringes this is the only one that is like this <laughs> well you know when you're starting a fringe festival what would be a great answer as an organizer would be that there's only one way to do them because then you think okay cookie cutter approach just gotta tick off my to-do list but then you find out that really has to be a reflection of the community itself so yeah. that does create a little bit of extra work yeah, you, you 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 can't just uh, like take the take minnesota and ro cross it off and write rochester and crayon over it yeah no you i mean can't? Like, <laughs> You, well, you can, but <laughs> you can always do that in Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota reuses everything, don't they? <laughs> Amy, right, Minnesota. Amy is from Minnesota, and so we're that that. Whenever I say Minnesota, her eyes light up, and it's just like it's like a just like that. So you know, so yeah, so yeah, they're 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 yeah. The thing about French is it's it's well, my son first off is an actor, and he's done a bunch of different things, and he's like. Uh, the other like very much of like a purist. So this is actually a fringe because it's, it's similar to the Edinburgh style. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we are modeled on the Edinburgh fringe and the Edinburgh fringe, like the Adelaide fringe, which is uh, Adelaide, Australia has the second biggest fringe. Uh, the vast majority of shows are curated by the venues themselves. There's also this other model uh, that you alluded to, Penny, called the Canadian model, uh, which, funnily enough, is not just followed by fringes in Canada, but uh, that's what makes it super confusing, like Orlando Fringe and San Diego Fringe are, are actually part even of the Canadian Association, uh, which blows your mind. But yeah. um, they are all programmed by, by lottery. Uh, and we decided that that wasn't a great approach for us because we wanted something that was you know, we, we felt that it shouldn't just be luck of the draw. There should be some sort of curatorial decision-making. So what we did was we followed the Philadelphia model to an extent, and people actually call us the Rochester model, and we've been referred to as the Rochester model uh, in countless um, conferences now, which at first I laughed at, so like, oh my gosh, we can, now we have a model named after us, what is going on? But I mean, it's, it is like a real thing now. Where we would you, would, would you say that it would you say that it's a fee based model? 
Oh. He's like, ha ha, wah wah. People want to understand that though if they didn't hear the beginning of this, where they heard that my last name is Fee. Yeah, Erica Fee is our is, is our guest today. Um, so, but anyway, so yeah, the vast majority of our shows are curated by the venues themselves. Well, we have what is really a bifurcated model, similar to the Philadelphia Fringe, where we have the section that's curated by the venues, which that would be venues like Jiva Theater Center, Blackfriars Theater, School of the Arts, Eastman School of Music, um, the list goes on and on. And then we have this curated section that we curate. And those shows include, we'll do like an A-list comedian every year at the Eastman Theater. We bring in a Spiegel tent where we do nightly entertainment. And then we also do a big free outdoor spectacle type show. Um, and that show is the reason that we're actually called the Rochester Model because that big, a very unique public spectacle, you know, uh, show, which is free, is generally not something that's being done anywhere in the United States. Um, and if it is, it's not being done in the Northeast. So that's why we're called the Rochester Model, that combination. Yeah, and, and the model here also is two weekends, right? And then the week in between. So do I have that right? Yeah, and, we're you know, 12 and, days. Yeah. yeah, 12 days. Because I was in Brighton, England a couple of years ago, and it seemed like they spread out like weekends across the month. So is that part of the modeling and the conscious decision to keep it compact? Um, I think Brighton Fringe, I've actually performed at Brighton Fringe uh, myself. And um, I know the director, Julian Caddy. I think, you know, the thing is, is that, if you ask me what it was like prior to the pandemic as to what it's going to be like after the pandemic, I don't know. Yeah, um, I've knows? actually heard of a few things yeah, that might be changing for some of the fringes. But I think that Brighton, like Edinburgh, uh, has, has tended to be many weeks. But yeah, a lot of big activities on the weekends. You know, you just can't. Uh, for us, we think that weekends are really important because people have off from work. Some other fringes say that they need to keep the same level every single day. Yeah, it's it's hard. Yeah, and you mentioned the the part that that I want to get to next on on because I was going to do a show at Jiva this this year, and then on and I, and I was like counting the days and hoping that the pandemic would be managed managed enough so that we would be able to do this because every other festival that I was going to blew up, did not happen. And then, and then uh, I'm going to read, I'm read a little bit of the email that I got from June 12th from you. Uh -oh. It is with a heavy heart. No, nothing bad except for, except, well, not nothing, 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 nothing damning from you. I mean, it's like, it is with a heavy heart that I write to you today that following expert medical advice, we are making some major changes to the 2020 fringe. And then you go on to talk about COVID and then you say we are not willing to risk the health, safety or finances of any of you. So we need to do things in a safe manner this year. In short, we will not be able to hold shows in interior venues, but we're not giving up. We're not canceling and we're not going to allow your voices to be silenced. Rather, we are switching to a virtual fringe component. Digital shows live streamed on a new safe online festival. This was on June twelfth. This is less. This is three months and three days from the beginning of the Fringe Festival, and you slammed on the brakes and you went to a different direction. How the hell did you do that? 
Well, I got to tell you, Penny, you know, if in 20 years time, there's a Jeopardy category on uh, COVID-19, I think I might go right to 2000 because I have been following the pandemic and following COVID-19 in particular, obviously, since um, January, you know, since early January. In fact, I had some surgery that I rescheduled and I moved it up uh, further in January. So it was towards um, early January, just because I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to risk it. Wow, that's impressive because I know both of us had canceled, had delays. So you, you're a thinker, Erica. Yeah, well, I, uh, I just really feel that um, it was really incredible to me, though, that even talking to doctors and medical professionals, and I have friends even who work in the emergency emergency department is strong, um, that I would say to them this pandemic is going to be really, really serious. I mean, the Chinese would not be building hospitals in 10 days time if this weren't really, really serious. Um, and I mean, I was even at strong, uh, not for myself, but for someone else in early March and having conversations with people who were saying, no, it might be a few weeks. And I thought, I don't think this is going to be a few weeks. So because I was so wary of it, our board actually started talking about what we were going to do in February. So in February, that's when we started making plans for September. The reason that that became stressful, as you can imagine, is that at one point we're planning a virtual fringe and we're planning a live in-person festival and we were uh, planning a hybrid fringe, which that's three fringes with uh, the same amount of staff and of course, a time, a clock that was ticking down. Um, anyway, yeah, so when we did send that email in June, we wanted to be able to, it was kind of like slamming on the brakes, but it was a little bit more like if you're on a train, you're switching tracks. Yeah, yeah, that, and, so, and, and everybody had to switch tracks. Everybody was scrambling, everyone, and as, as an artist, I had to my 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 personal story is that I was going to I was I was trying to get something done for the Adelaide Festival, uh, and I went into my uh, in in May I asked if I could go into our church, which was actually being was was being renovated, and just like record at night when there was nobody around, and uh, I was doing that by myself, and uh, it's very hard to be funny and prescient and produce and direct uh by yourself and have and, and get something quality and it, it it was it was it was crap it was pure crap i was trying to get it and i just it, it was just like it was kicking my defor my dysphoria and so i ended up getting a different i i threw a hail mary like on the 28th because we had to have stuff in on the 31st and so on the 28th i scrambled and i got i i, I just lucked into having a joe marino a great photographer who got some new video equipment who was looking for a project and he shot and edited it for me so i got something on which was amazing and such a relief uh but everybody was scrambling everybody was trying to make things up everybody was asking questions everybody and, and everybody was trying to do things and there were some people that didn't make it there were some people that came on and and actually were able to do that i had to change the show that i was going to do because the one that i was planning on doing had a fairly uh, substantial amount of audience interaction that i then could not do because there was no audience so, yeah, I mean, it was a nightmare. Uh, let's be honest. Uh, there's no way of sugarcoating it. And a lot of us, aka all of us, um, there was a steep learning curve. 
Uh, we had some shows. I remember this one uh, very well-regarded artist asked me how he should change the DVDs and the DVD player during his show. And I thought, oh, no, 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 no. you got no, like we've got to upload. We got to get this online. Um, but you know what? He did it. Like he did it. He actually did it. And he 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 figured it all out. And next time he'll be OK. Hopefully there won't be a next time. But, you know, here's well, hoping. we'll see. I mean, we're very concerned about 2021, you know, based on um, I did a fringe talk, which was a uh, four person um kind of conversation series that Fringe hosted this year for the first time. And we had two event safety experts and the CEO of APAP on, that's the Association of Performing Arts Professionals. And the uh, medical director that we had on said, mm, you know, third quarter next year. And I just, I was just listening to a podcast, Andy Slavitt's podcast uh, with uh, Dr. Zeke Emanuel, who is Joe Biden's medical advisor. And he said, yeah, November, 2021. And of course, at that point, still people will be wearing masks and distancing. So I think that we as performing artists and as the performing arts, we need to, I mean, like, obviously, first of all, we need to make sure our voices are heard. I mean, they reopened movie theaters over the weekend. Ski lodges are now reopened. Bars have been reopened for months. Um, gyms are reopened. The performing arts, live entertainment has definitely been um, not top priority for anyone in terms of reopening. There are ways that we can do it safely. We can do it outdoors, which is considered very safe. And I think that ultimately we're going to have to, you know, figure out how do we do it indoors in a safe way. Um, I, you know, I would, I would have hoped for more government support, obviously not from uh, this government. Um, it's uh, it's been pretty depressing, actually, for those of us who produce fringe festivals in the United States. We are members of an organization called World Fringe, which has, you know, go figure, fringes from around the world in it. And some of us would get off these calls and we just we just kind of want to cry and also pull our hair out because we would be talking to these festival producers from France, from Italy, uh, from the UK, uh, from Australia, and they'd say, well, you know, we are, of course, we're not going to occur this year, but at least the government realizes the power of the performing arts. So, of course, we're funded. <laughs> and we're going, oh, my God, like, not only do you have a lower infection rate, but your government realizes that arts and culture is to is to be preserved. Yeah, it's really tough out there right now. And it's really tough to, uh, and, and I, I wish that there was uh, a better news on the horizon and but wishing is going to make it so. So, you know, like you, like you were talking about, you know, expectations and having expectations before we started recording. My, my view has always been expectations are premeditated disappointments. But um, this is really, uh, it's, it's, it's just been very disappointing. And I agree, There's it's going to, it's going to be it's going to get better before it gets worse. And are we going to be able to actually have stuff like this next year? I'm 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 hoping that the answer is yes. But uh, I, I, I don't know. Amy shaking her head. No, she doesn't think so. No, I don't. I mean, even if we get a vaccine at some point, you know, that doesn't mean COVID goes away. I mean, if you look at if you really look at, you know, history on these type of things, we're still dealing with the 1918 to 1920 Spanish flu pandemic because we're, we're getting flu shots every year and different strains come and go. But that's really the root of it. So pandemic ending in the next year or two. Yeah, maybe. But 
are we still going to have to deal with COVID? Are we still going to have to deal with masks? You know, I work right now at Starbucks as I'm going through grad school. And you know what? Wearing a mask while preparing food is just good hygiene and good safety precautions. So what can we learn from this also to make sure as we go into the new normal that we don't take these big, gigantic steps backwards? And I think, you know, Erica, you you mentioned, you know, the government at least at the federal level, there's been no national coordinated effort. And if you look at the history of our country, you know, the government has always stepped in in emergencies with FEMA. They've been the coordinators. They've been the logistical. They've helped states get what they need. This time, this government said, oh, no, screw you. And you're all on your own. Good luck. And by the way, we're going to bid against you for everything. So, you know, that lack of leadership comes with a cost. And then there are so many segments within our society that don't respect the arts and culture. But yet, you know, as you said, bars are open, restaurants are open, gyms are open. But even still, like I was talking to somebody today and they're like, well, yeah, things are open, but there's still nothing to do. And that's where the arts and culture come in. That's where sporting events come in. That's where all these things come in that enrich our lives. And that's what we're missing out on right now, and it's terrible. Are you planning? A, and so, are you planning on? Uh, are you right now game planning for a virtual friends again next year? No. Well, we have our festival dates uh, for next year for September. You know, we are. I have to say, having discussions about should it be in September. Um, we have a lot to weigh, of course, living in Rochester, New York. You know, if if we want to bet on outdoor shows, we should probably go for September. If we want to uh, think about indoor shows, then with the vaccine rollout, we're going to need to probably push it later. <laughs> of course, for some of this, you really do need a crystal ball. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the best laid plans here. But, uh, you know, we do think I think that, you know, next year there will be some sort of hybrid element. And I do think the digital element, while frustrating and uh, just set up and uh, tricky. There are some really amazing experiences that can be held through the digital medium that would not be accessible to everyone otherwise. You know, we were able to have people attend from all over the world this year. Yeah. We were able to have performers from all over the world, and no one needed a work visa, which was quite exciting. Yeah. Um, so I do think that moving forward, regardless of of what happens, that there will always be that virtual component in festivals. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, talking from, from a performance side, it's, it's actually kind of nice that I now have uh, something that I can use to pitch other places and if and other virtual festivals. Uh, yes, last week we were talking with another uh, group that was in this year's Fringe Festival, uh, Saint-Hubert, which was uh, Madeline Hubert and uh, Gracie Walsh. And I asked them, about this experience we had to talk about and I asked them if they had any questions for you. And so let's hear what they have to ask you. Do you have any questions for her? How are you? Do you hate us? (laughs) I will, I will, I will pass those along. Um, She's going to be like, I don't know who those people are. (laughs) Like, Oh, those girls that emailed us 40 times. Yeah. No, Every single time we emailed, we're also like, we're so sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. I, think, I think we might have been talking with her and one of her emails. She was like, don't worry. I love emails. And we were both <laughs> Are you just kidding? like, there's no way. This is definitely like. She knows how to talk to artists. I do. I will. I will give her that. She is very much the sort of person that needs, that should be running this. That's um, great. I mean, yeah. she did a fantastic job. She really did. 
That's a great compliment, but it's also a compliment to my team because what we did this year was we were a little sneaky. Uh, we had a, a team of us and we were all using the same email address, but we were filtering it in uh, through Salesforce, actually. God bless Salesforce nonprofits. Um, and so we had a team of us, a fleet, um, almost like Santa's elves, uh, trying to answer all of the emails. And let me tell you, at one point, it was like, Oh, my Lord, we had at least five of us working full time. Um, I then I had to pitch into um, just answering questions because there were so many. I like I said, I do think that if we were to do a virtual fringe again or have that virtual component, there would probably be fewer questions. But um, yeah, I mean, having been a performing artist myself, but also the other people who came on board to help us have also been artists or have been directors or like, you know, they're not just, they're not just coming in um, cold. They understand it from the artist point of view too. And we were just so grateful that artists were really willing to risk um, themselves to really open themselves up to working in a new medium and um, to kind of taking the plunge along with us. And we, we then had more shows than we anticipated. Of course, you don't know when you plan these things. We were talking to other fringe producers uh, as we were uh, setting off. And as you mentioned before, Penny, Richmond Fringe was one of the first ones to launch. And then Pittsburgh Fringe, Minnesota Fringe, Orlando Fringe. And then we, we came along in September and we thought, you know, what would be a successful amount of productions for us? And we thought of Kansas City, who had had a very successful Fringe Festival. They had 35 productions with multiple performances of those productions. We thought that would be great. Well, we had 170. <laughs> so then it was like, well, oh my gosh, you know, we really do need a team here to, <laughs> to answer these questions. Congratulations on that, first off. I guess it went well. I mean, thank God we, we pulled it off, but we didn't want anyone wishing us luck or any, you know, we were all very superstitious, just like in the theater, you know, congratulate us on the, when everything's over because everything could go wrong. And, you know, and that was the interesting thing though, about this virtual platform and virtual, you know, performance is that when you're in a real theater, I mean, you know what it's like, if something goes wrong. You can kind of make up for it. If something goes wrong online or something goes wrong you know, in cyberspace, mm -hmm. that's the end of your show. Yeah. Saw you bear. We actually talked about it. Like the, the, their first link that they sent you was actually to something else entirely. And they had to scramble. It was like a little two minutes, two minute segment. They sent the wrong link and they were able to, but yeah, that, that's, that's, that falls under shit happens. And it, it, it doesn't matter if it's online, if it's video or, or live theater, shit happens and you have to scramble and adjust to it. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there were a lot of artists who were really, really willing to roll with it. And I think we all learned. And well, what other choice did we have? Sorry, what's that? What other choice do we have? I mean, if we were, we're performers, we want to perform. Right. Yeah. There was literally no other outlet. And that's why we as a board felt it was very, very important to persevere. We didn't think that it was it would be the right thing for our artists to go dark for a year because, my goodness, uh, everyone was kind of chomping at the bit. We have so much to say of, about really everything right now. And to silence the artists, um, we thought would be very detrimental uh, to their 
uh, professional tra trajectories, but also to our festival. Yeah. Okay. So that answers the second question they asked, which is, do you hate us? And the answer is, of course not. Let's let's go back to the first question. I don't want, how are you? Um, and I, I, as I was saying um, before, no one ever asks me that. So that's really exciting uh, to hear. How are you? Um, now, now moving into my 10th year as a festival that someone has finally asked me, how are you? <laughs> I am, I am okay. Uh, it was a little hairy there for a bit, but uh, I am, I'm okay. You know, as okay as you, as one can be during a pandemic, which is probably not okay. Right. But, you know, we're, we're moving along one foot in front of the other, taking it day by day. And, you know, we're just trying to remain as flexible as possible. It would be great if we could have uh, a few more bits of guidance, both from the state and, and you know, maybe the federal government. But uh, the latter is not going to happen anytime soon. So maybe December or January, maybe December, maybe sometime in January. Yeah, I, it, it's it's tough. Well, going back real quick. So, you know, you mentioned the shows, but, you know, if we lack that guidance, but yet you know, wouldn't moving up to July or June be an, uh, you know, a summer option be? Because, I mean, even September can be a crapshoot with weather around here when we get into mid-September. So, I mean, for to have more outdoor venues in the summer. Yeah, it's all, everything is on the table and we're going to be discussing all of it. Um, one of the issues, of course, is the way that our festival is set up with our being a bifurcated model. We rely on our venues to present so many of the shows when the pandemic started we did go to the venues and we said okay if you can't operate indoors would you be willing to operate outdoors i was personally surprised at the number who said no we will not reopen until we can reopen the way that we were before and i thought well <laughs> you might want to rethink that um i i don't know i'm going to reapproach them for 2021 we'll see if perhaps their opinions have changed on that uh, you know, currently in New York State, the gathering limit is still 50, and that includes performers for outdoor performing arts. I, I really hope that that is increased because I can imagine a place like, say, Highland Bowl with socially distanced, you know, you could easily get 150 people in there if everybody's playing by the rules. Everyone could be in circles, you know, of their own group. Um and I think we and we could be very safe. And I mean, that's not just me saying it. That's that's every event safety expert I've talked to saying it. But we, as uh, performing arts in New York, we don't have a super powerful lobby. You know, it's at the end of the day, this is getting political, and it is getting down to lobbying. When I saw that indoor haunted houses had reopened in New York State three weeks ago, I. I almost, you know, threw my computer out the window because I thought, okay, well, the logic now, we're, now, now we've gone a little too far for my liking. Yeah. Well, yeah, comedy shows and other indoor events can't open up. So, I mean, how, yeah, that logic doesn't make sense to me either. No, and like, what's the difference between an indoor immersive performance and an indoor haunted house? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, there isn't any difference. Yeah, they're both immersive performances. All right, so it's been, the 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 festivals come and gone. Uh, how did how did we? Well, well I, I'm asking this. I, I was going to want to talk about finance, but actually, 
I remember I've seen you in previous festivals because we all do the same thing. We all go to the Spiegel tent area. We wander around. We have beers. We schmooze. We eat street food, and then we go to different places and we talk to different. That's the thing I really missed the most about this was like I made this. I make so many friendships with different artists around the world just by having beers and talking to people and going and and it's also how I figure out what shows to see. I did not see a single show this year of somebody that I did not already know. Uh, because I just did not have a chance. It's like, who, and like I would ask on it, so what's new? What do you like? What do you see? And, and it's like, it, you know, it was just, it just did not happen. Yeah, you're so, right. I mean, it is so difficult to create a buzz when you don't have that kind of word of mouth. It's, uh, you know, one of the wonderful things about fringe festivals in general is that most fringe festivals really allow for the artists who are involved to have very good access to the other shows like for our fringe we have a five dollar rush ticket and so a lot of artists are able to see other artists shows and learn so much from that process um yeah i mean i miss that very much i did find it very weird to have to like cook my own meals during the (laughs) festival i was finding that like i I would have like my laptop on the counter i'd be like watching a show and chopping and i'm like this is this is just so weird and then i thought well i mean the good thing is i have not eaten out of a food truck for 12 days straight there is that (laughs) there are some seriously good food trucks in rochester but i can understand how that gets old well no i mean it it shouldn't for your body, you know, you probably shouldn't. Yeah. For 12 days straight. Every Absolutely. Morning, as Absolutely. I am. Yeah, I know. It's got to be there. And you got and like schmoozing and making all those things. And that for me, uh, like another thing that I would do is I would stand outside of like venues and just like hand out flyers. I mean, on one hand, I didn't have, I didn't have, I, I, my overhead was way lower because I didn't have to make them. But on the other hand, I didn't actually, you know, it's like, it, it's just really, really hard to, to get that. Uh, to get any sort of any sort of traction, any sort of buzz, I finally got a nice review from a Rochester paper this year, um, which was nice. And it, you know, I, I give me give me a live performance every time, but I don't know if that's going to actually happen. I think that we will get back to live performing arts. I really do. Um, I think that there are ways that we can do it very safely. I think that people are absolutely desperate for it. I mean, I think about myself, and I think what the heck was I doing not going out every single night to a show, <laughs> you know, just in general, yeah, like, right. Right. I, I, I feel like any time that I wasted sitting on the couch at night was just totally wasted. Um, and I do think that a lot of people, you know, they've done a lot of um, studies on festival goers at the beginning of the pandemic, people were saying, Oh no, no. Especially the number one festival fans, the top festival fans, were saying no, that they didn't want to go back to in-person events and shows. This was in April. They've done some other studies recently where people have gotten sick of this, you know, know, pandemic life and are, you know, ready to attend the opening of an envelope. So I do think that once we can reopen, if we can push ourselves to whenever that point is, uh, financially, uh, we will we will be doing okay, but we got to we got to get through to that point, and it's it's really hard. Yeah. Well, Eric, uh, Erica, do you? This was just a, a a wonderful and enjoyable time sitting here having a conversation with you about this. I'm really hoping that this is the last time we have to talk about this, and the next next time we talk with you, it's about really cool stuff that's happening in an actual real life uh, festival. But I'm not holding my breath. 
but but well we could you know what we can always add in a little bit of COVID-19 chat to all of our future talks but hopefully we'll be able to talk about uh, a little bit of art I think that we will I think people are doing some exciting things and and uh, I'm hopeful for the future it's going to be really hard but we're going to get there well, good luck to you. And do you ever put the old Star Trek uniform on just for the hell of it? You know, I don't have it here. Um, when we did, um, we did a second run of it, and it was really interesting how we all claimed that the lycra must have shrunk after <laughs> beating years. It does that. I, I, I admit it. Has, it does. It's done it for me, so it has to have done it for you. Yeah, it can shrink in the attic, right? Like that. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Like we would never. Um, it's obviously. <laughs> obviously not. What are our bodies? <laughs> Erica P, thank you so much for being on there. We'll be back with a quick wrap-up, Amy and I. So thank you very much. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i am amy stevens and my pronouns are she her and i'm penny sterling and my pronouns are she her as well as exhausted that just listening to erica talk about everything she had to do i'm, I'm tired by I, I guess i've got a contact exhaustion from what she was talking about yeah i was listening to the both of you speak and it was really interesting in that you know my questions were broader i don't have the experience that you do with french french festivals so i felt like i was kind of peeking in at this amazing world that i just need more experience with and i was and i'm just flabbergasted at how well known our fringe festival is because we think of rochester as a small town but when you really get into the arts community and theater production and all that rochester you know really outgrows its britches yeah or or its skirt depending on how uh, how gendered the rochester fringe festival is how about clothes Actually, yeah, well, my skirt has a fringe on it, too, so I should have worn this yesterday. But anyhow, yeah, you're right about that. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, Rochester's reputation for arts is pretty good in the arts community. Uh, and it's a, it's a fascinating thing to see. And it's also uh, fascinating to see how she was able to switch the gears so quickly on that. And it's it's got to be. Uh, a, an amazing it was an amazing story to hear her talk about these things yeah and her background with coming from the united kingdom i think really helped her in mm. bringing things here so i'm really excited to see what happens in the next couple of years as we we work through the rest of the pandemic and as we come out of it hopefully sometime in 2021 but more realistically it's going to be later than that yeah and my goal for this is to get you into a friend show I don't know. I think maybe we should have you do your own. Uh, we could have dueling one one woman shows. Maybe I don't know. I or or maybe or maybe we could do a Transformation Thursday live a live event from the Spiegel tent once there's a Spiegel tent. 
But I got to get you involved in this because you would love this. You would eat this up and they would love you, Amy. Yeah, and I would thinking as well that, you know, when I look at that, I don't know because I think I have a story to tell and I think I need to practice my storytelling and work in some of the comedic elements that I can do. I think I think I think I need to grow beyond stand up comedy. But right now I'm also so focused on just getting my mental health counseling degree that that's really where all my attention has been going, especially for the next month and a half to get through this semester. Yeah, well, that's where we're going to leave that, I think, today, because it's been a real exciting and fun show. And I'm glad that you were able to hear there. And the next time we have her on, we'll have a three-way conversation with three veteran Fringe Festival people. How's that sound, Amy? That sounds fantastic because I was inspired after this conversation. I'm glad to hear that. I hope other people are as well. But for right now, that's it for this week's Transformation Thursday. Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night, Penny.